You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. Hope everyone enjoyed that talk with uh, Ryan Finkelstein of Locked On Mets yesterday. Thought it's always good to kind of get the perspective of the other fan base, see what they think in terms of trades and how things would go. And I guess my big question is, based on the two trades out there, what trade would you prefer? Would you prefer the Dom Smith, Ahmad Rosario, J.D. Davis trade, or would you prefer Brandon Nimmo, J.D. Davis, and uh, Jimenez? You know, either way, I think... It's a very strong package, but I'm still in the Dom Smith crowd, and we'll talk a little bit more about Dom Smith in a moment here. So let's talk about the awards races. Uh, You know, we have the MVP and the Cy Young. I don't know if people really care about the Manager of the Year award. I had the joke on the Locked On chat, like, has any fan base ever gotten excited or gotten upset about that award? Has that award made anyone care uh, one way or another? And I have a hard time... Uh, believing that has ever been the case. It just, where are you going to get mad about manager of the year? So should we start with MVP? I think it's a good place to start. So my annoyance with the MVP award is the two people that voted for Jose Ramirez fourth. Now, even if those had both been, let's say, second place votes, he's not going to win the award. It was so many of those votes went to Jose Abreu, and I get it. Like, Jose Abreu had a really strong year. He, you know... what he let he won the he had the most hits i believe and yes he technically was a better offensive player but it was a very close margin between him and ramirez and ramirez blew him out of the water in terms of defensive value position and base running so i mean if you're only looking at offense yes jose abreu should be the mvp uh jose ramirez being left all the way to fourth on multiple ballots is just insane we have the interesting aspect of this where, uh, you know, Mike Trout finishing fifth. Is that a worse for him? We also had Shane Bieber at fourth. So the Indians had players at two and four. And that in both leagues, you had a pair of first basemen win the award, which had not happened in a very long time. Now, I mentioned Dom Smith because I want to talk about the National League award winner. And I mentioned it was a first baseman. Over there, Freddie Freeman beat out Betson Machado for the award. And if you look down that ballot, oh, well, this isn't the extended ballot. I was hoping they'd have it there. Dom Smith got some votes. I'm going to pull up the extended ballot so we can talk about that. So the you know the official uh, Baseball Writers of America, when they list it, don't necessarily have things next to the names to say which rank. But uh, Dom Smith was 13th between Ronald Acuna, uh, Aquino Jr., and Hugh Darvish. 16 votes. He had two eighths, four ninths, and two tenths. And again, he is the only Met represented. And that's why I would rather have him and take a chance on Rosario. Uh, Getting Dom Smith to me is a huge deal. And yes, I live near a train. Uh, But I think Dom Smith, again, you know, just based on everything and talking, you know, to the Mets guy who's like, no, I'd almost rather have Dom Smith than Pete Alonso. I think also says a lot. So yeah. I will say, as sad as I will be to see Lindor go, if you can really get Dom Smith, Ahmad Rosario, and J.D. Davis, I'm doing that deal very quickly. 
Uh, I think you're getting Rosario's better than anyone they have right now to handle the shortstop position who's on the roster. Davis is going to be an upgrade as a first baseman, just as a bat compared to what they had a year ago. And Dom Smith, and I know if you're getting Dom Smith and Davis, then Davis gets tried in the outfield, which is not his idea. But I mean, Dom Smith spent some time in left field and yeah, he could be like a potential gold glove level first baseman, I think eventually, but he could also be a solid left fielder. Like I think he can play there. He played there enough. There's a reason why he played there over Alonzo or G, you know, Davis did play in the outfield, but if you can get Tom Smith and JD Davis, I, that's, that is an exciting trade for me. I, that's just where I am. And I'm going to kind of be sad if it's anything other than that at this point in time. So we talked about those awards. Let's spend a little bit of time talking about the Cy Young. Bieber getting the unanimous first place. That should be zero surprise. Trevor Bauer, uh, I was kind of surprised he got 27 first place votes. We know that he is a contentious figure for sure. And there was a lot of talk about how uh, the Indians, you know, had both these guys on roster at the same time. And just the Indians overall recent success with pitchers and the Cy Young and how they went for so long basically without that success and now uh, without major awards but now they seem to pull in a new Cy Young award winner every other year but in all the talk there was kind of a local boy who got forgotten completely missed out on and I saw Jeff Passan's tweet where and some others ran with it and it's interesting man Trevor Bauer is so (laughs) Trevor Bauer might be more polarizing than the election there are those who love him and rush to his defense uh, when you say anything negative. And then there are those who just heat his guts with a fiery passion and go out of their way to say terrible things about him. Um, I just have... He would not be someone I want to pay into his 30s. That's kind of my view. Uh, I think he's very intelligent when it comes to baseball. I think there's a lot of things he does well. But at the same time, I thought... Jeff Passan making it seem like he was an underdog story. I mean, this is still a guy who was highly recruited to UCLA, which was specifically at that time one of the top programs in the entire country, and then was the third overall pick. And even if you want to look at someone like Shane Bieber, who being the, yeah, he's a better underdog story for sure, because he was a college walk-on who went to UC Santa Barbara. That's not, and was, I believe he was a fifth-round pick. I believe the Indians took Andrew Landtrip. Uh, out of Houston, and I know they took Sabale before him and paid both more than him. So he's an interesting one, but the true underdog who has local ties is the guy who finished, I believe when I counted it up, eighth in the award, and that's Chris Bassett. Let's spend some time talking about Chris Bassett. He is the single greatest player in the University of Akron history. Uh, He takes that award over uh, previously. It was uh, longtime Kent State pitching coach Mike Burbeck, who uh, who had pitched in five games in the big leagues. Oh, that's batting. I'm sorry. He had pitched. I was like, he pitched in more than five games. Pitched in 54 games in the big leagues. Uh, he hit in five games in the big leagues. And other than, I mean, the game leader, there's Jack Delario from 69 to 70, who appeared in 66 games, but only had 14 plate appearances. It's not a big group. You know, there's seven guys who have basically played in the big leagues from the University of Akron. And, uh, you know, right now it's, I don't know, do you want to call it a renaissance? It's definitely a high point for the program where you got Bassett and uh, Brubaker in the big leagues. And uh, Brubaker is already at what? Uh, 
11 games. So he's, you know, he's, uh, he's still sixth overall in games pitch, but he's, that number is going to rise for him. But Bassett, what a story. This is your underdog guy, a day three pick, not a, a, you know, not a guy who got a six figure bonus or a seven figure bonus, a guy who in the 16th round of the Chicago White Sox in 2011, that's the same year Lindor was drafted. University of Akron from uh, Genoa area high school in Clay, Ohio. He ends up leaving the White Sox in, a lot of people probably forgot, he went with Josh Flegley, who was kind of the bigger deal as the catcher, Rangel Ravaglio, who I believe ended up with the Cardinals in another deal, and Marcus Simeon, again, another reason why he's forgotten, when the Oakland's tra- Oakland traded Jeff Samarja and Michael Yanoa to the uh, Chicago White Sox. Not uh, another one of those deals where if you're a White Sox fan, you have to be going, man, Bassett and Tatis, we traded away two guys who were top 10 finalists for major awards uh, without a ton to show for it. And that is certainly the case. And, you know, Bassett, that trade was in 2014. That was three years after he had been drafted. At that point in time, he was, you know, he was still more of an afterthought guy. 2014 that uh that season in the minors he had he had spent a little let's see he had spent a little bit of time at double a and had actually been effective in 2013 uh he would get he actually got to the majors in 2014 with the white Sox and pitched well in 29 innings so uh, good performance there but in spite of that 2014 debut he it took him a while he's still two years away from free agency He's one of those players where, yeah, he came, appeared in 2014, then he pitched in 2015, 2016, he was up and down, uh, didn't pitch in the majors in 2017, 2018, starts to assert himself more, becomes a, pitches over 100 innings for the first time in his career in 2019, and this past year finishes eight in the Cy, eighth in the Cy Young. He is not going to hit his free agency until after his age 33 year, which is unfortunate for him, but what a year for him. What a story. You know, again, a program that has produced seven major league players and the greatest player in program history decided to go be the pitching coach for their arch rival and was a good, you know, a a useful player in the majors, but was not like a a dynamic talent. So this is the first University of Akron zip to be up for any major award in Major League Baseball. So that's, I think, just kind of cool. I think that's something to stand out for. Spend some time on the third player with local ties who just didn't get the love, which is understandable when the other two players actually had pitched in Cleveland. And in the same year, we had the Cy Young go to a Indian and a Red. And it was the Reds' first ever Cy Young Award winner. So there's reasons why Chris Bassett didn't get the love, but I think he deserved that. So I wanted to make sure to take some time and just point him out. Speaking of showing the love, I have to show the love for Built Bar. They have been our fantastic sponsor so far in this offseason, and they just continue to support this podcast, and I continue to support their product both through these ads and through continually rebuying. Uh, That is what I had for breakfast today. I did one of the strawberry, and then for the other one, I had the mint brownie, which is one I highly recommend. That was a strong one. And remember, when you go to BuiltBar.com, you want to use that promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off your order. I wish I could still use that code. That's how much I enjoy this product. I have used that promo code myself, 
And I keep ordering. I keep going back because it is such a good product. It is a delicious tasting bar that gives you energy and fills you up. For me, it's what I some days have. Like today, I had it for breakfast and lunch. I had four bars between the two. And that got got me through my day. So go check out BuiltBar.com. Remember that promo code locked on to save yourself 20% off until they know that we sent you. It's a great product. I can't speak highly enough. BuiltBar.com, promo code locked on. So we talked about the major awards. Should we talk a little bit history when it comes to the Cleveland Indians? Uh, you know, we also talked some more trades. How about in this week in Indians history was the firing of Luke Boudreau in 1950? That's an interesting one that happened on November 10th. 529 winning percentage. And, uh, you know, they had won the World Series in 48 under his uh, management. They bring in Al Lopez, who has a pretty good career for the Indians as well as a manager. November 12th. This is an interesting one, which, you know, is today's date. Uh, well, the date of recording, not your date of listening. That, uh, you know, one of the facts is that Ichiro is in a unanimous rookie of the year because uh, Chris Ossenheimer voted for CC Sabathia as his top choice because that's always the hard thing. I totally get this. And at the time, I would have totally voted that way as well uh, if I had had the ability to vote in 2001 because is Ichiro really a rookie? He's a rookie to the league, but is he really a rookie? I don't know. It's hard to to judge such things. And then 2012, it gets mentioned that Mike Trout is the unanimous selection for Rookie of the Year, becoming the youngest American League player to win the award. And since it's unanimous, he joined a group with Evan Longoria, Nomar Garcia-Para, Derek Jeter, Tim Salmon, Mark McGuire, Carlton Fisk, and Sandy Alomar as the only other unanimous winners. And also Mark's Terry Francona, who had never received even a first-place vote for Manager of the Year after winning two World Series with the Boston Red Sox, that uh, he went the Indian skipper, gets 15 of 30 first-place votes, winning the award. So those are just some historical points. Um, They mentioned CeCe winning the... uh, the Cy Young uh, beating out Josh Beckett, though in the ALCS, uh, Sabathia twice lost to Beckett. That kind of stings. And then Cliff Lee gained 24 of 28 first place votes to join Gaylord Perry and CC Sabathia as the only Indians winners of the Cy Young at the time. Yeah, times have certainly changed. And one more historical fact, we'll go through the 14th, you know, your traditional week ending on a Saturday, Eric Wedge becomes the first Indian skipper to win a manager of the year in 2007. He's 39 years old at the time, and the Indians in 2007 had that 96-66 and 66 record before everything started to come undone for that team. Boy, did we think things were going well. That's, that's still one of those great what-if teams. We talked about that. What if Miller doesn't get hurt? What if Michael Opry doesn't get hurt? You know, what if Cliff Lee breaks out a year earlier. There's a lot of curious things with that 2017 that I am always going to wonder about. I talked about the Baltimore Orioles on Wednesday and said we would get back to them. So I had gone over to Baseball Savant because to me that is a great source of information to try to get a little more data on some of the performances how players played, uh, why you might want to consider or not consider certain players from a team. You know, if it was more luck or if there's some 
uh, data that shows that maybe this is a situation where this player was uh, actually had some good uh, support numbers. One of the first things that stood out was Hanser Alberto barrel percentage, 1%. That is really bad. Um, bottom 3% of the league, and he is just dark blue all over. So I would say remove him from the list of names. We're looking at uh, a lot of dark blue as well for Cedric Mullins. Now, I had mentioned Cedric Mullins. The the thing where you can look at him, though, positively and why uh, Baltimore may not want to move him, outs above average, 96th percentile. Sprint speed, 92nd. 67th percentile in outfield uh, outfielder jump and whiff percentage, 68th percentile. Uh, so he is, at least he's hard to strike out and he plays good defense in center field and gets to a lot of balls. There's worse profiles than that. Uh, and his exit velocity is 45th percentile, but expected batting average and slugging are in the bottom 10 percentile. So it's borderline. So let's talk about, you know, we don't have anything again with Trey Mancini, but if we're looking at DJ Stewart, who I also mentioned, Renato Nunez, those are kind of the guys... Santander, I just, again, can't see them doing it as much as I would love to see him return to Cleveland. If you're curious, expected batting average for him, 86, 84 for slugging. Barrels, 66, expected weighted on base, 71. K percentage, 87, whiff percentage, 52. How about his defense, 67th and jump and 69th percentile and outs above average. So yeah, he's doing a bit of everything. Now, DJ Stewart's defensive stuff is pretty awful. Sprint speed of 38, outs above average uh, of 36. That's all low. But here's what gets interesting when I looked at DJ Stewart's numbers. Before last year, his barrel percentage in the previous two years were at 6.9 and 6.9. Last year, it jumped to 19.2. So all of a sudden, he's barreling the ball. His launch angle the previous year was down at 13. It jumped to almost 18. So he's got a better launch angle. His hard hit percentage jumped as well. His K percentage jumped, but his walk percentage uh, nearly doubled, as did his K percentage. So it's he's an interesting case. Um, his bat hip was very low, so he was unlucky. You know, it's one of those things that the Indians go and make a trade with the Mets, and they get Davis and Smith, and someone like DJ Stewart is not of any note or interest. But especially if you could get DJ Stewart on the cheap and you don't add one of those players, or if they did some kind of deal involving Nimmo instead of one of them. I think Stewart's an interesting gamble at some point. The The changes are there, and he's going to be relatively cheap to get. So if you flipped a, a low-end pitching prospect for him, that sounds great. Renato Nunez. So here's what's interesting with him. 80th in barrel percentage, 55th in expected slugging, He's actually 35th in hard hit, 13th in exit velocity, uh, blue speed at everything else, uh, or blue speed, 43 in sprint speed. That's actually his third best percentile, but K percentage, batting average, all of that is very low. It's interesting to me that he could barrel that well and still not have great power outage, as it were, that uh, what he did... You know, expected slugging being 55 with a barrel of 80 and expected batting average being 23. Like, for someone who's barreling the ball, I expect it to be higher. 
he's a, probably a first base only guy, and he is someone that looking at that stuff just made me go, okay, hard pass on Renat, Renato Nunez, former big prospect for Oakland. You know, if he has another strong year, it's he's just another one of those guys who's a glut in that kind of glut of first base types. And it feels like there's always the ability to find a halfway decent first base type if you were out there and looking. As for the rest of this team, I mean, Jose Iglesias was the only player who had like red percentiles, which means he was in the top 10 percentile in a category. And that was like expected batting average and weighted on base average. At the end of the day, it's like if the Indians do trade Francisco Lindor, it may not be the worst idea to call Baltimore and see what the cost of acquiring Jose Iglesias is. Uh, typically, he's been a really good defender. This past year, he did some DHing for them, did not get as many chances. Hard hit and barrel percentage is low, but expecting batting average 100%, expected slugging 82nd percentile. Whiff percentage, 97. K percentage, 98. Expected weighted on base, 90th percentile. Sprint speed, 58. So he's not going to hit the ball hard, but he was making good contact. He's hard to strike out. There's a lot of positives in that. And if you go back to 2019, outs above average at shortstop was 98th percentile. How about in 2018? 81st percentile. Like This is a guy who's consistently one of the best defenders at shortstop. He is a switch hitter really hard to strike out and last year showed some hit the ball better than he's ever hit it so Iglesias might be the name to know and especially if the Indians do trade Lindor and don't get a shortstop this right now I I think he's the first uh, player you consider perfect guy as a stop gag stop gap I should say for the Indians age 30 steps in and could do the defensive job they need In terms of overall cost, it would be in terms of salary and cost to acquire. Well, he's owed $3.5 million, so that should be acceptable in the Indians' range and what they can do. And again, defensive value and showed some offensive value that he had never shown previously. In terms of cost to acquire, I think a low A flyer, uh, depending on how high a cost you want to pay. Well, not how how high a cost you want to pay, but how do you make it interesting to them? Is it... Could you get away with someone like Luis Oviedo or Carlos Vargas, who, you know, I think Vargas probably gets added to the 40-man. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they'd even want someone like Sam Henkes. I feel like they just kind of are more in a time and place of wanting some some flyers. They probably ask about an Angel Martinez, a Jose Tenia, someone of that level. We're not talking about anyone who's really a top 10, even a top 15 prospect. And at that cost... Again, dealing from strength, I think Iglesias it would be a great fill-in. Uh, he's going to give you close to the same level of defense uh, and some offensive production. That is, again, only if they cannot get a shortstop. I think Baltimore becomes a natural first call. If there's some weird world where they manage to trade like Lindor and get an absolute stud outfielder and that's just about all they get, uh, yeah, then you call... Baltimore right away and I think that's that's kind of a team to keep back pocket and a player to keep in the back of your mind who could fit uh, the Indians maybe more in the spring time or at some point after a Lindor trade is completed because we all know it's going to be completed at some point in time 
Thank you all again for listening throughout the week and joining me on Twitter with the debates of players and such. Send me trade ideas, send me questions. Let's try to do another mailbag again soon. I have been Jeff Ellis. You can find that Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And as always, go tribe. <laughs>